Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here. So I just want to recap a little bit on Colossians. And um, over the past few weeks, we've spent time, we've shared together in Colossians, we've read some amazing scriptures. And hopefully in the next few weeks, we're going to expand that into Ephesians. Um, But I just love reading the book of Colossians because it speaks of our position, our standing, the power and ability that we have in Christ. And all the rights and freedoms that Christ has won for us by his death on the cross. So let's just read a few. Colossians 1.6 says this, The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it's changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. It's changing our lives, the word of God. Colossians 1 verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you may have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. In and Tilly, God's going to fill you with all his glorious power so you'll have all the strength and patience that you need. That's just so wonderful. Colossians 1.15, which is probably the best verse in the whole Bible. (laughs) Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. God created everything in the heavenly realms on on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And yet now, yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are now holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. Carl. You are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. It's amazing. Colossians 2 verse 12. I'm not going to read the whole book of Colossians. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised and now you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. We've been raised to new life. This is my most favourite one. Colossians 2 verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of charges against us and he took it away and he nailed it to the cross. I will come on to that later. 
Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits, in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ in God. And when Christ, is when, and when Christ who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. <laughs> My real life is hidden in Christ. Amen. Colossians 3 verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So that's your starter for 10. If you don't know what to speak about on our Colossian Sunday, there's a few ideas. We often talk about the kingdom of God, don't we? And we talk about the kingdom. You know, whenever I see my son's car, I say to him, this car does not speak of the kingdom, Dad, son. <laughs> and it's a phrase that we throw around. And this morning, I just want to try and expand a wee bit on that. But the kingdom of God is the fulfilment of God's will on earth. It, the kingdom of God is the fulfilment of God's will on earth. And I know that because Jesus prayed in Matthew 6, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he's saying, I want to bring heaven to earth. The kingdom of God is not some fairy tale castle that's miles away at Disneyland or something like that. The kingdom of God is here now. And I know, that, I know that also to be true because in Matthew 11, John the Baptist is in prison. And he says to one of his disciples, he sends one of his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for somebody else? And Jesus had a way of never answering a question directly. And he said this, he said, go back to John and tell him this. That, and tell him what you've heard. You've seen the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to everyone. It was earth as it is in heaven. And the title of this message this morning is It's Time to Get Off This Planet. It's time to get off this planet. It's time to get off this planet and live in another kingdom. Be part of another kingdom. Because as believers, we have become citizens and we reside in this kingdom, the kingdom of God. This is Jesus' kingdom. It's not a kingdom of this world. And we've been, we've been adopted as heirs into this kingdom. We've emigrated into this new kingdom by God himself. That's where our citizenship lies. I have a a passport for a kingdom, the United Kingdom. Um, I wouldn't buy a used car off this guy, but <laughs> it says inside this passport, it says, uh, Her Britannic Majesty's Secretary of State requests and requires, in the name of Her Majesty, all those whom it may concern to allow the bearer to pass freely without let or hindrance and to afford the bearer such assistance and protection as it may be necessary. 
And what that means is, is that as a, as a citizen of the United Kingdom, I can travel to other countries and receive and expect a certain degree of protection and be allowed to travel in that kingdom. But I have another passport, and it's this one. I have another passport, and it's this one. And it says in the front of this passport, it says, The Lord of all creation requests and requires in his mighty name all those saved by his grace and redeemed by his death will pass through this world without hindrance, moving freely and will be provided with all the assistance and provision and protection made real and proclaimed in his divine word. That's my passport. The front of the passport, of this passport, says some... Does anybody speak French here? <laughs> well, on, I'm going to... If any, I'm glad because I'm going to carve this up now. But <laughs> on the front of this passport, it says, Duer et monde diwar. That's pretty good. Don't ask me to say that again. It says, Duer et diwar. And that means in French, My right, my God. My right, my God. And this is my right. This is my right in this world. Jesus instructs us to be in the world, but not of the world. To be in the world, but not of the world. Because I read in John 18, verse 36, he said, Jesus says, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, for if it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. And although we live in a different kingdom, although we're citizens of the kingdom of God, we are subject to the laws and decrees of this world, providing it's not contrary to the word of God. And that's the rub. But we are, we are unfortunately, subject to its effects. Um, many years ago, I have to say, Christian music was a lot better than it is now. And um, my good friend Russ and I used to listen to a singer called Larry Norman. Anybody heard of Larry Norman? Ooh, it's all the oldies. <laughs> and Larry Norman used to, he, he produced this album called I'm Only Visiting This Planet. And he sung a song and it said, What a mess the world is in. I wonder who began it. Don't ask me, I'm only visiting this planet. And when we understand and we see that our citizenship is in another kingdom, we are empowered and our view of life and of God completely changes. For those of you that know me, I love science fiction. (laughs) And I've probably watched most science fiction films and TV shows, but by far the greatest is Star Trek. And... um, But the thing that I really love to watch is real-life space adventures, such as the Apollo missions and the Gemini missions. And they're the ones that fill me with the greatest wonder. And it's always been an ambition of mine to see a rocket take off at Cape Canaveral. And and to date, that hasn't happened. But I'm, I'm holding on to that. 
and um, I'll certainly never see a shuttle take off because they've been decommissioned. But I, I did go to Cape Canaveral once, and my family were very worried about me because um, I got there at 8 o'clock, and I, I, we had to be thrown out at 5 when it closed. And I got to see the Atlantis space shuttle in the flesh. And I have to say, it was a very spiritual moment for me. And I almost welled up, and I just wanted to touch it. And uh, it was fantastic. And uh, there's a little video that I'd like to show you. It's a couple of minutes long. And I just think there's a few things, four things that I'd like to share from this video. Whoa. It was quick. The, the most amazing thing about that video is it isn't Tom Hanks. And it isn't something off TV. It's actually something that happened. And it's just amazing. And there's a great... When that video starts, there's a great anticipation and a great expectation that people are going to see something absolutely incredible. And... Before a shuttle can take off, there are a lot of preparations. Things are checked once, twice, three times. There's lots of planning and preparation and discussion because there's two and a half million moving parts on the space shuttle. So there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And um, there were 135 space shuttle launches, of which two ended in disaster, which in NASA terms is a very high percentage. And that was one of the reasons why it was cancelled. But I love that expression when you hear the commentator say, go for launch, go for launch. And it's time for us to go for launch in this kingdom. It's time for us to see all the things that Jesus has done for us and that there is nothing now holding us back, absolutely nothing. Because we are heirs of his kingdom and we live in a different kingdom and we all need, and I, I have to sp I speak to myself in this, we need to stop looking at others. We need to stop wishing that we could be like them. We need to stop saying to ourselves, if only things were different, if only things were a bit different, I could do this. Or if only I was like them, I could do this. If only my parents had been different. If only my childhood had been different. If only I had more money. If only I was better looking. If, if I had a better job. If we was in a bigger church with a building, if only, then I could move in worship, then I could bring a word, then I could reach out and pray for somebody. But the Lord says to us now, it's time to go now. It's time to go now. Now. We can't wait. You know, our lives are not like a rocket launch. We don't have to wait for everything to be absolutely perfect because Jesus is Lord and we are heirs of his kingdom and he has afforded everything in his kingdom to us because Jesus commands us to go, to go, to go, to go. We, I, we need to foster a real expectation that God is going to do something marvellous in each of our lives. Not corporately, each of our lives. God did not go to the cross. Jesus did not go to the cross for us to sit on the subs bench. Everybody is vital to growth in the kingdom of God. You know, I completely understand and appreciate that we face trials. Some of us are facing trials today. And for many of us, they're not little trials 
But this does not exclude us from becoming effective or being effective in the kingdom of God. It really doesn't. Because God is going to do something wonderful in each and every life here this morning. Because I read in the scripture that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. And that's why it's so, so important that we read our passport. That's why I don't play the piano. It's so, so important that we read our passport. And I know some people get really offended because I keep saying, you need to read your word, you need to read your word. But you do need to read your word. How many times have we, and I'm guilty of this, how many times have we bought a car or an electronic item or a fridge or a cooker or a washing machine and we unpack it, we plug it in and we start pressing buttons? And we get to a point where suddenly something doesn't appear to work or it doesn't do something that we expected it to do. And then finally we decide to read the manual and we get illumination and that thing suddenly starts to work. And to get the most out of your life, you need to read the manual. This is the Haynes Manual for Life. The other thing I noticed when um, the space shuttle took off was there was a lot of noise. And I love that cracking sound, which is the exhaust gases moving away faster than the speed of sound. And some of us who were in Harbour yesterday, you'd have heard that. Believe it or not, Christians are not supposed to be quiet. We are not born again to be quiet. You know, the disciples, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come in Acts chapter 2. And it came like a mighty rushing windstorm, it said. And um, I know they were noisy because some people said they were drunk. And I don't, I've never, I don't know many quiet drunks. You know, drunks are usually very inhibited and start shouting. And they made fun of them, didn't they? They said, it said, they said they'd had too much wine. And then Peter stood up. This is Peter who denied Christ. Then he suddenly stands up and he, he, he raises his voice, it says, and he addresses the crowd. And it was a big crowd. We have something to shout about this morning. We really do. And for those, those of you who know me, I'm absolutely mad on football. And... Um, in all seriousness, I can't understand, and this, this is, I'm being serious now, I can't understand how people get this connection with a football team. It is a mystery to me. You know, people support Leicester and they say, well, we beat them, or we did this, or we did that. And I'm thinking, no, you didn't. Because <laughs> there was 12 guys on the pitch who did it. I don't get that. I don't understand the connection that they have with it. And, you watch, and you, watch, you watch like an England game and there's grown men, you know, muscles and tattoos and everything and they're crying. And then they score and they go absolutely mental. I don't understand that. There's nothing wrong in that. I'm saying nothing wrong in that. I don't understand it. But then I read this. That God's made me alive with Christ and he's forgiven my sins and he's cancelled the record of sin against me by nailing it to the cross. And we can't get excited. 
Hallelujah. When I first got saved, um, and I wasn't reading the manual properly, I used to believe that God had a little black book about me. And it said Stephen Russell on the front. And whenever I did anything wrong, God would write it down. And he'd write in this... So, you know, I'd be walking down the road one day and I'd see something, and God would write in it, lust. And then he'd write in it, swearing. And then he'd write in it, rude joke. And he'd write anger, jealousy, malice. And God would write these things in the book. But then, a bit later on, I would do something that was good. So he'd write down kindness to somebody. So God would rub one of those things out. And a bit later on, I would spend some time in the Word, and he would rub something else out. And then I'd serve in the body, and he'd rub something else out. But there was always something in this book that I didn't feel that I could get rubbed out. And I remember it became a revelation to me when I read that scripture in Colossians 2.13 where it says that he's cancelled the record of death against me and he nailed it to the cross. John, can you just come and help me a minute? Can you just hold that against the wall so I can nail this? He's took the record of sin against me and he's nailed it to the cross. Now, I think this morning some of you need to see this. In Numbers 21, the children of Israel were sinning against the Lord and he sent a plague of snakes and the snakes were biting people and they were dying. And they went to Moses and they complained as they usually did. And Moses took a snake and he put it on a pole and he said to them, look and live, look and live. And this morning I think that there are folk here, this is the word of the Lord, When you close your eyes, you think about something that you think, God can't forgive me for that. That really holds me back. That's something that, you know, if the elders knew about that, and I'm saying this because I thought this when I wasn't an elder, if the elders knew about that, they'd put me out of the church. I've thought of things like that. You need to look and live this morning. When I received this revelation, I I just had a picture of Jesus on the cross and that book was nailed through his hand. And the blood of Christ sets us free from all unrighteousness and it cleanses and sets us free. So this morning, I would encourage you to look and live. Look and live and know that the record of sin against you has been cancelled. It has a nail through it, through his palm. And he set us free. Amen. Amen. So seriously, I need to, you know, we need to get excited about God. And it's not hyping up. You know, when we start the meeting in, on a, in the morning and, 
you know, we read a couple of scriptures and, you know, we, we, it's not to hype us up. Because when we get excited about God, it actually helps us. It actually does something to our spirit. My wife will tell you that when I first got saved, I was the quietest person in the church. I know you find that hard to believe, but it was. Because I read in Joshua 6 that when we get noisy, walls fall down. Things change in our lives. The third thing I noticed was, did you notice how all the crowd cheered when the rocket took off? Encouragement is vital. It is vital. There are so many things we can do to encourage one another. When we see other people moving in God, we should encourage them. That was great to see you share this morning. Great to hear you. We should encourage the preacher. Yeah, right. (laughs) We should encourage the worship leader by worshipping. We should encourage visitors. We should encourage folk for being here. It's great to see you here. We should bless others in the church by serving. We should look for those who do things quietly, not a drawing tension to themselves. We should send a text, a WhatsApp, post a card, invite somebody for a meal, drop around some flowers, invite somebody for coffee, offer to serve someone with practical help. It's very practical encouraging people. Look for opportunities. Bless somebody financially. I just want to expand on that. It doesn't have to be thousands of pounds. My wife and I will tell you that the times we've been blessed financially with small amounts is when God has spoken to us most. And it's only been a... I can think of two or three instances where someone came to us and gave us five pounds and God spoke to us so strongly and he opened the word up to us and other blessings came along. Does anybody want to be encouraged this morning? If you really want to be encouraged... Put your hand up. John, come here. <laughs> Hi, John. Right, this is what we're going to do. When I count to three, we're all going to stand up and we're going to applaud John. <laughs> we're going to shout, Whoa, John, great job, John. John, we love you. For 20 seconds. Now, John, what you must do, you mustn't like, you know, pirouette. You've just got to, or, you know, put your out. You've just got to stand and receive that. Okay? So we're ready. We know what we're doing. We're going to count to three, and like John's won an Oscar. One, two, three. Thank you. Now, seriously, John, how did that make you feel? Great. You felt you feel better than you felt. I did. I looked round at the faces. Yeah. I saw people applauding, and uh, it was amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's great. And how did everyone else feel doing that? So it didn't cost any money. It wasn't illegal. And it's not fattening. Bless you. Thank you.
That's so easy to encourage people. We'll be a queue in a minute, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, when we see God move in power like that, there's a real sense of awe in our lives, isn't there? Um, you know, the crowd were there, they were expecting to see something, and it exceeded their expectations. You know, they were left with a sense of awe. There was the rocket took off, and then when it actually got going, there was like this, whoa, from the crowd. You know, awe is an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and fear, and it's produced by something that's grand and sublime and extremely powerful. And that's how we see God. And when we allow God to overwhelm us with all those things, it, it changes our lives. It transforms us from the inside. You know, the folk on the ground, they were stood up and they were just looking at all as this massive, massive thing that weighs tons was tearing away into the atmosphere at 17,500 miles an hour. You know, you talk about supersonic, this was hypersonic. It reminds me of the story in Acts where the disciples were just standing, staring up into the sky as Jesus disappeared into the sky. And... Um, they were met by two angels, and they said, you know, why are you looking up into the sky? You know. But, you know, we should look up into the sky. We set our sights on the things of heaven, not the things of earth, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. You know, as leaders, just in finishing, as leaders, we, we pray for you all regularly. We really do. And myself personally as a pastor I see a diamond in all of you not just corporately but individually and I want to see all that God, I see in you when I say you, I don't mean you, I mean you and you and you and you and you I see, we see all that God wants to and is able to to bring you into we see the amazing potential that's in every life that's here. And that's the cry of my heart. And sometimes it brings me great joy, and sometimes it breaks my heart. But I am completely confident, without any shadow of a doubt, that God has a plan for every life here. A plan to prosper you, a plan to give you hope and a future, and to give you peace, as it says in Jeremiah. And now and again we see a little twinkle... And we see many times folk going on and the light within them shines brighter and brighter. And as leaders, we are so blessed in this church that we've seen, without exception, all of you, all of you, develop and grow. Because God is establishing his church in his kingdom, in our lives, and in Market Harbour. And... You know, when we see folk move in something that we've not seen before, or they have victory over something, or an issue or situation, we are so thrilled and thankful for God. We really are. But it's time to carry on. It's time to keep going. It's time not to be despondent. It's time to stop looking at the sky and wishing. <laughs> and it's time to get off this planet and come into a new kingdom to embrace everything that God wants us to embrace and to come into all that he has for us. Let's just stand in his presence.
Father, I thank you that we are part of a new kingdom and that we are all ready for launch. And Lord, I just I thank you, Lord, that no matter how we feel, we're ready for launch because you've saved us, you've cancelled the record of sin against us and you've brought us into your own presence. And Father, I thank you that our current situation or circumstances, it, it doesn't hold us back because you have done everything. And although for some of us we do face trials and situations, the hand of the Lord is upon us and he wants to bless us. He's given us a great passport through this world. Father, I just pray that for those things that we feel in ourselves that hinder us and hold us back, that, Lord, that we, we receive a revelation, Lord, that they are nailed to the cross, that, they are, that the record of sin has been cancelled against us, and that we are set free in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that our past has been nailed to the cross that we are redeemed, we are the redeemed of the Lord, that, Lord, we are the redeemed of the Lord in his kingdom. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that for those that are struggling with past sin in their lives, that, Lord, they would receive a revelation from you. They would know that you are a loving Father, that your hand is always towards them, that you would never turn us away, and that, Lord, you want us to come into all all, Lord, that you achieved on the cross for us. Lord, I just pray that we would know the blessing of God this morning, that we would know his presence, his power, his anointing, that, Lord, we would know that you have a future for each and every one of us, that you want us to be, all of us, Lord, who are here this morning, all who can hear the sound of my voice, Lord, that you want to bring us into something bigger and better and larger and more powerful and more noisy and more exciting, Lord than we've ever experienced. Father, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.